Well, Shelton, welcome back. Um, we did this Q&A last, well, was it last week or two weeks ago when we recorded the original podcast episode on the Holy Spirit? I think it's like almost three weeks ago now. Yeah, it's been a while. So at the time, we did a follow-on 15-minute speed round where we took listener questions, questions that people had submitted about the Holy Spirit, and you answered them. It was great. The only problem was somehow we lost that video. So here we are. <laughs> this is like a, a totally fresh uh, Q&A session. Yeah. So we'll see how this goes. Hopefully this, I, this will record. Yeah, I promise nothing of, of quality here. <laughs> We should see now. I'm looking forward to it, and and uh, you know, I, going back now, one of the advantages is going back and and watching the original podcast and and listening to that, and um, just was thankful for the opportunity to come talk the Holy Spirit and talk um, uh, Scripture with you, and so yeah, I'm in. I'm interested to walk through some of these uh, Q and A. I can't remember any of the questions, so this will be uh, <laughs> totally fresh. So here we go. Well, this is an encore session that we're doing on the off week. Our podcast normally comes out every two weeks. So definitely if folks have not listened to the, the actual episode, I would encourage them to go back and listen to episode 136. It was great. But let's dive in. Let's take these questions. We've got, we'll see how many of these we can get through in our 15-minute uh, block here. So the first question is, how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? How can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, um, Actually, I'm, I, I, I don't know what the person intended to ask in that, uh, but I think biblically uh, we need to kind of parse that out a little bit because Paul uses that language filled with the Holy Spirit um, kind of as a post-salvation ongoing experience, right? And so here, but if the question is, how do I come to possess the Holy Spirit in the first place? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so because no, because we answered that one on the podcast, but I don't know that we got into how do you be filled with the spirit? Is there a difference between receiving and being filled? So I would say, let's, let's assume this person has the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be filled? What, and, and that's a great question because Paul uses that particularly in Ephesians quite a bit. And in fact, Ephesians five, he says, Hey, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. And in the Greek, it actually says, but keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in spiritual songs and hymns and, um, and whatnot, and, and uh, with gratitude in your heart. So the idea there is that there's this keep on being filled. There, there, you can also look in the story in Acts um, after they get through praying. This is post-salvation, post-Pentecost. It's several chapters in. I'm blanking on what chapter. But they're together. They're praying, maybe chapter four. And the ground is shaking, it says, and they are filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment. And so it, it seems to indicate, and Paul in Ephesians 3 prays that God would, would uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of them, uh, would open their eyes to understand how loved by Jesus they are, how deep and wide and high and long is the love of God, uh, so that they may be filled to the fullest measure of God. And I think that's the the idea of what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think you have an experience, an encounter with God through his grace and sovereignty um, in, and through the truth of Scripture, through a worshipful heart, where your awareness of God's love and grace towards you, his awesomeness, is just um, overflows out of your field to the fullest measure of, of God as you understand his love for you. 
And Paul says this kind of fill, being filled with that, so almost being satisfied, you think, from a food standpoint, he says, keep on doing that, right? So be run to the Holy Spirit to find your soul's fulfillment and satisfaction. And, and that, so I don't think it's like this um, huge Pentecost moment every time we pray that that's what that's getting towards. It can result in that. That's God's sovereignty if he wants to have some mega experience there. But I think the idea of keep on being filled with is that you are going to the word you're going to the Lord with expectation to experience him, the living God, not just words on a page. I want to experience God and be moved in my soul of how much he loves me and how awesome he is. And then leave that experience filled to the fullest measure of God. Does that make sense? It's kind of esoteric. Yeah, it does. Uh, I think of that verse in Ephesians 5, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. And so there's that contrast. But obviously, in order to get drunk, you you partake, <laughs> you, yeah. you, in, you ingest this substance. And I think in the same way, I've often said that it's impossible to draw into the presence of God and not be changed. So what you were just saying about drawing near, and then I, we may have mentioned this on the podcast, but I know that you had talked about where Jesus himself said that if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So I think yeah. uh, in a nutshell, draw near to God through the scriptures and ask him, ask him to fill you. And we've got a I great promise from there, Jesus. I, I, I do think what's key there is that it is an experience. I, I think yeah. you experience the living God and that. And so it, it's not just this theoretical, I, I've studied some words on a page. I've got right ideas about God, right. but it's actually tasting the goodness of, of, of the Lord and experiencing him and expecting to do that as you're talking about, like, like you go to wine and I know if I drink too much wine, the result is going to be that I'm going to get drunk. Right. And I, do I have that same expectation that man, when I run to scripture and I run to prayer and I run to worship that, that as I do that, it's going to, I'm going to have an experience. It's going to alter who I am in the Lord and who I am for that day and, and, and how I live out that day. All right. All right. We may have to speed up on our answers, but okay, here we go. Sorry about that. We're going to go the opposite direction with this one. How does someone grieve the Holy Spirit? Ooh, good. Also, also out of Ephesians um, that comes in a passage where he talks about um, that we are unlike uh, the way we were before because we've been born again, filled with the Holy Spirit. And as being new creation, he talks about how we now live differently, right? So we, uh, we interact with the world differently. We run after different things. So go on and talk about the language we use is different. And in that list, just before it talks about um, how we should forgive one another, don't let the sun go down on our anger, all those type of things that he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. And it's in that list. And so I think the idea of that, and if I'm reading Paul correctly, is that you have the Holy of Holies there with you who loves every person that you interact with so much that he also died on the cross for them. And if I treat you in a way that is hurtful, harmful, self-focused, not loving, it grieves the creator who is with me because it comes in this list specifically on relational stuff. And I, God is a relational God. And 
As I read that, I think that's literally what that means. You can take that a little bit farther and say, anytime we take the Holy Spirit who is with us, of the Spirit of the Holy One, and and marry it to some sinful activity, that that would also grieve the Holy Spirit. So God's not like some faraway God watching down on us, but you know He's right there with us. Paul kind of uses that in First Corinthians when he talks about, "Hey, uh, don't you know that you're you're the temple of the Holy Spirit?" Um, so do not go and lay with a prostitute, right? Because then you would literally be taking the Holy Spirit and becoming one with a prostitute, and that would grieve the Holy Spirit. So same kind of idea there that anytime, whatever I do as a believer with the Holy Spirit in me, I am bringing the Holy One into that moment. Does this moment, whatever this moment is, honor Him or does it grieve Him? And I think we carry that uh, question with us. Yeah, that's good, man. Well, let's uh, let's take this next one. Can the Holy Spirit's presence leave a believer and not return? Can the Holy Spirit's presence leave a believer and not return? I do not think there is evidence of that in the New Testament, uh, in Scripture. Um, and so my answer to, be, to that would be no. Um, instead, so the idea, I think, indication there, would it be because of something I've done, that some kind of sin that I can commit that would so grieve the Holy Spirit that they would leave. Like, if you and I are in a relationship, um, I can hurt you bad enough that you would no longer want to be in a relationship with me. You you would say, man, I got to cut Shelton out of my life because he's so hurtful. For the Christian, First of all, we're in a relationship not with another fallen person. We're in a relationship with the King of Kings. And uh, Scripture tells us that where our sin increases, His grace increases all the more. I think of Ephesians 2 when it says, because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy. And so His storehouses of mercy, His treasure trove of mercy— I can never outspend that mercy with my sinfulness, right? Because I'm not greater than God. So my my sin is never greater than his wealth of mercy. And so because of that, I'd answer no. When we turn and repent, like God's mercy covers over us. His grace covers over a multitude of sin. And, and his Holy Spirit is with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us, as Christ promised towards us. Yeah, this one is an interesting one because the way it's worded, I, I think you could almost ask two separate questions. One is, can I lose the Holy Spirit? But but then there's this question of, uh, will the Holy Spirit's presence depart? But I think maybe, and there may even be a third question, which is, if I'm living contrary to God, if I, if I am resisting the Spirit's work, um, is it possible to feel distant you know, you talked about that experience earlier. Is it possible yeah. to feel as if um, God is not close to me, that the Spirit's presence is, that I've, that I've somehow uh, lost the Spirit's presence? Not necessarily that I've lost my connection with God, but I don't know, that may be getting too complicated. I think, no, but I think anecdotally, we probably all go through dry seasons, right, where we don't really feel like God's nearness. Mm-hmm. And we can remember, I, I think that's also, goes, you know, the psalmist restored to me the joy of my salvation, right? Why are you so downcast within me and my soul? I will praise the Lord again. I think it's it's right to go, it's normal to go through seasons where we don't feel connected to the Lord. But I think it's in the, in the moment of that, I think it's important to speak to our feelings 
and say, the nearness of God to me is not because I feel him. I don't base my whole worldview off of my feelings. I base it off of the truth of what Christ has said. He has promised he would never leave me or forsake me. And so I can pray, hey, God, if there is any unclean way inside of me, if there's some sin that I need to confess, would you reveal that to me? And he'll right. do that. And I can confess, right. I can ask, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And so I think we have to be careful with the feelings. You know, um, we don't worship feelings. We worship the, the true one. I think feelings, we need to lead our heart. We need to lead our feelings to, to mm-hmm. truth and not the other way around. I don't feel God. And so he must not be with me. Well, that doesn't line up with what scripture says, right? Um, and so instead, I think we would say, I don't feel God. Scripture says he's there. So what's going on here? Yeah. Right. So then we go to work examining as to why that may be um, and what's happening there. Yeah, I think of um, my relationship with my wife that certainly we could be in an argument and we could be in the same room, but I could feel disconnected from her. Um, And I think if that's the case in our relationship with God, like you said, if we sense that something is off, we do some some internal taking of inventory. And if there's a need to repent and turn to God and ask him, like you said, that the psalm there, that times of refreshing might come, that he might create Uh, us a new heart. Yeah, well, and it, you, I also just take up God on his word. He's faithful, right? And he says, if if you seek me and with all of your heart, you will find me, right? He, right. That's Jeremiah 29, 13. He says, Jesus, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, hey, seek, ask, knock, and come after me. And you'll, you'll, so God is bad at hide and seek. He wants to be found. He has, he has made himself available. And so oftentimes, if I don't feel him, it's not that the presence has removed uh, for me, I had an old professor that used to say, if you and God are not where you used to be, guess who moved, right? Right. Not God. It's been me. And so what do I need to repent of? What new effort do I need to put in? What, you know, I think that's why Jesus would regularly withdraw away from the crowds to go spend time with the Lord. And so maybe there's things that I need to do differently to seek the Lord more fully in my life. But I don't think the answer is that the presence has left me. I think I've run the other way for whatever reason. I sat with somebody on Sunday and she she's struggling with feeling the presence of the Lord right now. And the issue was that she is mad at God, but she's scared to say that out loud, right? And so she feels like it's unholy. So she's got a situation going on in her life, health situation. She doesn't like it. And if she's just being honest over the past several years, stuff that's been piled up, she's angry with God. Right. And so she doesn't know what to do with that. She's been holding on to keep that quiet. So you think about if you're bitter towards your wife, like you're not going to feel connected and loved there. Right. And so the key uh, to all of that was just to be honest with God. Right. And so we had this sweet moment on Sunday where she she was honest with God and man, the tears started coming. And then that that connection begins to happen. And so. I think going back and even examining, am I actually, I think being seeking out with our whole hearts, not only effort, it's also honesty. And so maybe I'm not feeling God's presence because in reality, I'm not coming to him with where I really am. I'm kind of doing lip service and maybe I'm actually frustrated. Right? I think that's important to talk through. Yeah, that's really great, man. I'm glad you, uh, you had us go a little bit further there, but listen, brother, uh, I think the episode where you joined us, episode 136, is so important. I hope folks will listen to it. And then this is a great bonus question where we had a chance to address some of our listener questions. So thanks again for making yourself available and doing this twice so that we can get this Encore episode posted. Absolutely. My, my joy, man. And, and to all your listeners out there, 
may may God bless you and may you experience an abundance of, of grace and peace in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Love to you all. Thank you.